0: Well, without further to do, we are in a series uh, in Hebrews. So why don't you open those Bibles up to Hebrews chapter 11. And when you're there, say, I'm there. All right, Hebrews chapter 11. Turn or tap, whatever your preference. Two of you, good. Hebrews 11, and we're going to start in verse Eight. Well, we're in the middle of a series on the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. Like I said, we're calling it By Faith. And chapter 11 comes on the heels of chapter 10. Obvious, I know, but what's important here is that it acts as the introduction for what we're going to be reading today. So chapter 10 was a reminder to the Hebrew people, many of which were struggling in their faith, that Jesus has in fact made a way for them to access God. And given the persecution of these people at that time, that this was written, the author encourages them that listening to and obeying God has been in the past and will be in the future the best way to live. So in other words, the author of Hebrew is saying, keep going. So the 11th chapter is the author's hall of fame, or more literally, hall of faith, or heroes of the historic faith in Yahweh, the creator God who we now know through Jesus. And in studying the idea of faith, we've come to recognize two foundational truths. They're up on the screens and probably in some of your notebooks. uh, And they go like this. The first one is faith is relational. Faith is tied to a person. It's not tied to a concept. It's not vague out there. It's actually tied to the person of Jesus. And faith is the exchange when someone thinks something about someone and then acts accordingly because of it. So it's less about having faith in general and way more about who or what our faith is in or tied to. Faith is relational. It's tied to a person, not a concept. Secondly, faith is visual. It doesn't stay inside of us. Rather, faith shows up in the way that we live. Our actions matter. Chapter 11 is the writer's way of telling the reader to keep going, to don't stop. I guess it'd more be like, to don't stop. Don't stop. It's like their way of saying don't stop. So be encouraged, be spurred on to live the Jesus way. It really is the best, most fulfilling way to live because Jesus is everything that your soul longs for. And so faith is visual. It doesn't stay inside of us. Rather, faith shows up in the way we live. So with that said, let's read the the text for today. Again, Hebrews 8, uh, Hebrews 11, starting in verse 8. It's a bit of a long one. Here we go. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, his kid and his kid's kid, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Verse 11. And by faith, even Sarah, his wife, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she was considered him faithful who made, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, in other words, he was really old, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. How many of you know that's a lot of kids? That's a big family. Verse 13. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have an opportunity to return. But instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Verse 17, we're going to wrap up here, three more verses. By faith Abraham, when tested, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. All right, that was a lot. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for these few minutes that we have around your word, and together uh, we just ask that you teach us uh, what it looks like to follow you this week in every way. Thank you for the story of Abraham, for a man that said yes to you over and over and over. Would you spur on our faith and encourage us to do and live the same type of way. And thank you, God, for the 107 degree weather coming in Jesus' name. Everyone said, how many of you are not excited for 107? All right, how many of you are? Yeah, it's 50-50. All right, my, my wife loves it. I'll be inside. Um, ice coffee and inside. All right, well, hey, I don't know about you, but I tend to like to know what's going to happen in a situation. I'm not big into guessing. I'm not big into turning a movie halfway Uh, turning it off halfway through. um, Is anyone else like this? And I got to know what's going to happen. I don't do well when I feel like I can't control a situation that I'm in. I don't do well with loose ends. I like to know. So like when a friend asks Hillary and I to a party, my first question is, who's gonna be there? I wanna know what I'm stepping into. I wanna know how much effort and energy it's gonna take. I wanna know what to wear and what kind of food is gonna be there and if there's gonna be a slip and slide. I like to know, is anyone else like this? (laughs) I mean, am I the only one who loves to feel like I got all my bases covered so that no matter what happens, I can say, yeah, I thought that might happen. I think as humans, we love knowing or at least thinking we know what's gonna happen. I mean, we buy insurance, we plan for retirement, we fill our refrigerators with food for the entire week just so we can know what tomorrow's gonna look like. We don't do well feeling like we can't control tomorrow. Well, in our text today, Abraham is our next hero of faith. And we met Abraham in Genesis chapter 11 near the front of our Bibles. From the start, we've seen that he's a fairly regular guy. He's got two brothers, he's got a wife, a nephew, and a couple donkeys. Which I don't have a donkey, so I guess it doesn't make you a regular person, but he had some donkeys. But we're given more than just facts about his life. We're given a 12-chapter window into his active 24-7 back and forth relationship with God, and I think that's exactly what the writers of Genesis and Hebrews wants us to see about Abraham, his obedience to God, even when God leads him into places where he had no way of knowing what was going to happen next. Abraham's response towards God identifies his faith. Well, like I said, today's text is a lot, so let's break it into four sections. Take a look at it from 30,000 feet. We'll look at one aspect of Abraham's faith in that section, and then we'll wrap up by spending a few minutes asking what all this means for us today. Sound like a plan? Four of you. Wonderful. Uh, If you have your Bible, it may be helpful to look down as we go. It's also going to be up on the screens. If you have a pen, it's okay to write in your Bible. Um, Unless you have a conviction about it, I'm not going to tease you. But um, feel free to write in your Bible, all right? And it may be helpful if you outline these sections with a little line or something. Here we go. Verses 8 to 10, we're going to call part 1, or go. Then verses 11 and 12, we're going to call part 2, or child, Verses 13 to 16 are unique. We're going to call this part three or pause and let it soak in. It's going to be a moment where the writer wants us to enter into the depth of what all these moments meant for Abraham and his wife. And then in verse 17 to 19, we'll call it part four or I'm all in God. All right, here we go. Part one, go Genesis chapter 12 near the front of our Bibles. Verse one, it will be up on the screen. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land. Say land with me. Land. To the land I will show you. Skipping down to verse 4 in Genesis 12. So Abraham went as the Lord told him. Abraham obediently followed God's call to move to a place which he was unfamiliar. Abraham knew what it looked like today to obey God even without having the whole picture tomorrow and so the writer of Hebrews cheers on and highlights Abraham's faith in God in this way Thus, part one go now between part one and part two Abraham finds himself in some rather difficult situations for one he ends up living in the desert 107 every day Uh, he survives a famine there's danger in Egypt because his wife is so pretty hello Um, you can read the story in Genesis chapter 12 He has business conflicts with his nephew, and then this same nephew gets taken by four king's armies, so Abram goes after them to get his nephew. And on top of all that chaos, there's decades of the emotional turmoil of his wife not being able to conceive. And what's even more difficult is that God told him that he'd have an offspring to give the land to in Genesis 12, verse 7, a.k.a. that he'd have a son. And so from the outside, it looks like Abraham obeyed God and things only got worse. This seems like it would be a great time to not keep trusting God. But he does. And I wonder if it's because Abraham had the wisdom to know the difference between obedience and expectation. Um, a few years ago, I was sitting at our kitchen table and I was reading and I had my notebook open and I felt... Um, Like God said, go outside. There's going to be a guy on a bicycle. His name's going to be—I'm going to change his name just because—but his name's going to be John. And I want you to ask about his grandma. Now, this is a fairly odd one to come to mind. And so I said, "Okay, if this is you, God, you know, you got to show me here. Otherwise, this is just a a random thought from a movie or something I've been watching lately. Whatever. But it wouldn't go away. And so I I sat. I continued to read, and I I just—I became like kind of a wrestling match. Like, okay, if this is actually you then I better obey. And if it's not, I'll go out. It won't happen. I won't tell any about it. It's fine. So I go out. I stand on my porch. We live on Lombard in Beaverton. So it's kind of a busy road. Not crazy busy, but bikers don't stop on Lombard. And so sure enough, a bicyclist comes and stops in front of our house. Now, this was one of their, those, oh, my gosh, there is a God moment, you know? And so my faith began to rise. So I stepped off our porch and I walked over and I said, Um, I kind of approached him, uh, and I said, hey, is your name John? Um, And he said, no. And and something inside me sank. And my faith kind of like squished or morphed or got weird or something. However you want to explain it. And I said, okay, sorry, yeah, you just looked like someone I recognized. And I walked back in, and I was like, God, what the heck was that? You told me to go out, that this guy's name would be John, and to ask about his grandma. And I'm expecting this thing where, oh yeah, my grandma, oh my gosh, I'm expecting him to just bawl. And, oh yeah, let we pray for you, you know. And very, very clearly, the Spirit of the Lord said, Nate, I told you what to do, not what would happen. Do you see the difference? And in that moment, I don't think I'll we'll ever forget that. I think it's like Abraham. We have expectations that we can hold on to, but those are very different than just obeying. And Abraham had the wisdom to know the difference between obeying God and his expectations of what should happen if he did. And because of this, he continued having faith in God, even when things got difficult. He continued to trust God. So it may be helpful, though, to point out that he didn't always trust God perfectly. He didn't always get stuff right abraham was human just like you and me in fact if you read his story found in genesis you'll see plenty of moments where he totally fails so as much as the story is about abraham it's also about a patient god who continually helps his kids back to their feet who uh, who keeps inviting them into moments and opportunities to trust him And if God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, then this is as true for us as it is for Abraham. And when God told Abraham to go, it was because he was taking him somewhere. It's the day-by-day and moment-by-moment kind of faith that allowed Abraham to receive everything God had for him. God told Abraham to go, so he did. This moves us into part two, what we're calling child. This is the verses 11 and 12 section. The writer of Hebrews recounts another story in Genesis, this time in chapter 18 of Genesis, where God says, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And then a few pages to the right, which happens to be about a year later, it says this, continuing, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. So again, the, he- the author of Hebrews cheers on Abraham and Sarah for choosing to put their faith in the specific word that God had given to them, pulling us into that same story, reminding us that we too can choose to be a people who put our faith in God. From here, we shift into a different focus in the writing part three. We'll call this pause and let it soak in. In Jewish writing, especially in the Psalms, they would often call this practice Selah. Say it with me. Selah. That was just me. Say it with me. Selah. Good. Selah. You'll see it as you turn through the Psalms here and there. It's a moment to slow the reading and think and meditate and contemplate on the meaning of what the reader is reading. To allow it to move from head to heart. It's as if the author of Hebrews is adding something for us within Abraham's list to notice, a break in the format. Verse 13 said this, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. So why this side note? Why this break in the format? Well, basically it's saying that God promised Abraham something bigger than just something he'd see in his own life. Or in other words, Abraham didn't get to fully enjoy the promise that God gave him. His kids would. And I think this quote by a guy named George Guthrie captures the heart of this pause and let it soak in moment that we see in this text really well. Mr. George says it this way. They died in a state of trust, never having seen their descendants' reception of the land. Thus the true object of their deepest desire was God himself. Abraham was so focused on God and being in relationship with God that the outcomes of obedience were secondary. Let me say that one more time because this can be uh, one of those lies that we pick up and it shapes the way that we do life with God and then we get all messed up and frustrated at God yet God was never what we were intending in our mind for God to be. Abraham was so focused on God and being in relationship with God, that the outcomes of obedience were secondary. And so we come to the fourth and final part of Abraham's hero of the faith story. We'll call this I'm All In God. The the author of Hebrews is absolutely brilliant. Starting with God's call to go to a land, I will show you. Then God's promise of of a son to pass that land onto. And then the emotional uh, recognition that Abraham wouldn't even get to fully enjoy the land, rather his son would. And then out of left field, God seemingly tells Abraham to let it all go, sacrifice the son. Here's the land, or he says, go to the land. He said, I'll give you a son. He has the son. And now he says, give up the son. Now, don't get caught up here on the sacrifice part. Remember, this is a completely different era and time and history, and there's meaning and there's metaphor. And one of the points the author of Hebrews is trying to show us is that this would be another great time for Abraham to not keep trusting God. But he does. Which begs the question, how does Abraham continue to put his faith in God? How does he continue to live a life oriented around actively putting his faith behind what God is telling him To do because he does in Genesis 22 Abraham obeys he does the sacrifice thing but God but God sees Abraham's heart his intention God sees that Abraham's faith extends into a place that hopes and trusts and believes that his way is the best way even when it doesn't make sense in the moment and provides another sacrifice in his place We came out of a series in Romans, tying this to Romans, Romans 4 and verse 13 up on the screen, it says this, it was not through the law it wasn't through doing everything perfectly that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, of all these people, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. In theology, we call this Abrahamic righteousness. Gary Breshears is a friend and a professor of theology at Western Seminary here in Portland, Oregon, and he says it this way. This is how he explains Abrahamic righteousness, the key to accessing what God has for Abraham. Four different pieces. Loyalty to the Lord. Was Abraham loyal to the Lord? Yep. Trust the Lord even when it makes no sense. Yep. Keep the Lord's way of righteousness and justice. Did his way of talking about and thinking about God and his way line up with the way he lived? Yes. And then finally, look to the Lord's provision in Messiah, and there's a lot there, but the answer is absolutely. So returning to our question, how does Abraham continue to put his faith in God? Well, I think the answer actually, or part of the answer, lies in James 2 and verse 23. It says this, And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And here's the part that just in my mind is so bold. And he was called God's friend. Abraham was not perfect, but because he was a friend of God, he put all his faith into believing and obeying God. I love what Eugene Peterson says about this. I will put it up through two different slides here what friendship means is that two persons are in touch with each other and share important interests and that is what the friendship of God and Abraham is all about Abraham was in touch with the God who is in touch with him here's my favorite line he accepted God's concern for him as the reality of his life and he returned it by making God the center of his life what would that do if we actually believe that ourselves huh He obeyed, he he journeyed, he prayed, he believed, and he built altars. He did none of this perfectly, but perfect is not a word we use to describe friendship, relationships. Perfect is a word that refers to inanimate things, a perfect circle, say, or a perfectly straight line. With persons, we talk of response, growth, listening, and acting. Abraham did all of that in relationship with God, whom he was convinced and determined to be a good friend toward him. So, what does all this mean for us today? Well, for starters, choosing to put our faith in God like Abraham did over and over and over means we say yes to God in our moments today, even though we can't see or control the outcome tomorrow. For Abraham, God promised him a son, yet it wasn't until years later that it actually happened just a note on that. Um, if you have a, you know, these things that we're talking about were promises for Abraham and for Sarah. It's not something we just want to read into and receive for ourselves necessarily. They were specific. If God's promised you something, um, and I'm not going to try and sort out what all that means, and it hasn't come, I just want to encourage you right now to keep hoping for it and keep putting your faith in the friendship of Jesus and stay in that place. Jude says it um, really profoundly. He says, keep yourself in the love of God. Keep yourself reminded of the love of God. God promised him a son, yet it wasn't until years later that actually happened, but maybe that's the nature of faith. It's relational and ongoing, and the point is more about back and forth trusting that God is telling us the truth. For some of us today, that may begin with choosing to believe that Jesus is God. For others, it may be remembering that the way Jesus thought and lived and acted, and so then our way as his followers of thinking and living and acting is often supposed to be so countercultural. yet if we look at our own lives, we recognize which story we're really putting our faith into today. And I wonder what our expectations are of how God should respond to us. Are we allowing these expectations to confuse and lead and make up our choice to not fully listen to God? Or in other words, why would we obey or not obey Jesus? Do we trust his character? Do we trust that he has the best for us even when it's not what we think is best? What does it look like to really let go of thinking we're in control? To just show up to the party. If you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to write these two questions down and spend time this week working through them both alone and with a friend or two. And as you do, ask the Holy Spirit to form you to be more like Jesus, to speak the truth to you, and to give you a tender heart that's willing to To obey him. First, what does it look like to really let go of thinking I'm in control? For many of us, myself at the front of the line, control is like a drug. And I'm guessing that many, if not most of us, feel an urge for the ongoing fix of it. But as we set it down, we're given an entirely new capacity to see God all around us. So, what does it look like to really let go of thinking I'm in control? And secondly, What is god asking me to do today some of you knew this question was coming and some of you know what it means what does it look like to obey is it tangible like abraham to pick up your stuff and go somewhere Um, or is god speaking to you about getting rid of something a computer a movie an album a car or is it intangible like a relationship do you need to forgive someone or is god telling you to go to someone or to let go of someone in my notes, but I remember um, when Hillary and I were dating, we dated for three years, and we both sensed God saying no, and uh, she was way stronger than I was. I was just a mess, I, you know, but when we when we broke up for uh, a year and a half, and then we came back together for coffee just to wrap up loose ends, there was a whole nother piece that came, and so um, I'm sorry, not sorry to say if you... If you just know God's saying you're with someone and God's saying not nah, no just not now no don't worry about what it looks like tomorrow I just promise you his way is best I think these kind of questions are helpful if we'll take the time to use them in our ongoing formation as Jesus people living the resurrection life but maybe most important the foundation of all that is the question of how Abraham can continue to actively choose to put his faith in God and I believe the answer is simple above all else, that he was a friend of God. So how am I cultivating? How are you cultivating that kind of life, a friendship with God? The way God told Abraham that he'd be the father of many nations is to look into the clear desert sky at the uncountable number of stars and says, this is how many descendants you're going to have. God gave Abraham a way to remind himself of his promise. And so I bet every night, especially the frustrating and lonely and tired and difficult ones, Abraham looked at that dark desert sky littered with millions of tiny lights and reminded himself of god's promise to him do you remind yourself of god's promises to you as his daughters and his sons by reading the scriptures how can we be reminded if we don't talk about and meditate and read them so for today here's where we'll end i want to read a blessing over you that i hope uh, if you've heard nothing else will be the words that you'll carry with you this week set your stuff aside and then we're going to go back into worship through song may you like abraham know that god can be trusted that god is patient with you and that in your moments of failure he hasn't walked away he hasn't given up his face is still toward you and like abraham he's still inviting you to believe what he says May you remember that he's faithful to fulfill the promises that he's given and that his work is to redeem all things in and around you, that you can release your posture of failure as you let him help you to your feet again and again and again. And may you know that Jesus is inviting you to follow and obey him because it really is the best possible, most fulfilling way